Okay, is that better? Oh, good, good. All right, well, I'm not rewinding, so. Did we get enough of what I said or do I need to back up a little bit? All right, we got it. So the idea that we can be busy, right, we celebrate that. We're, we're always almost too busy, right? It's, a, it's, it's foreign to us to take a day of rest or even for myself sometimes an evening of rest. But we're, we're challenged to do this. But before we can go and before we can do, we have to, one, I think first is be a disciple, right? Before we can be a discipler, before we can go and give this great message, right, the, the truth of who Christ is, we've got to, one, walk in that ourselves. So we're going to walk down this, um, this, uh, this great commission. One, it starts out with Go. To travel, to move from one place to another. That's for us to maybe, if it's kind of get out of our, our world, our, our little busy world, our, our circle, um, our, our peer group, our, uh, just our, our, our clique at work, uh, our neighbors, the three neighbors that we like in our neighborhood. It's to get out of that. Okay, I don't even have three neighbors out there where we are. So, uh, But it's to get out and engage, right, to go, to put motion to the life that we're living. And then he says, and make disciples. This make, it's to take something, to form something by putting parts together or to create. So we're called to make something, right? It's something that's not into something that is. And then we're called to be disciples. One, and this is the definition of a disciple, is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrine of another. A follower or a student of a teacher. A disciple in ancient biblical world activities imitated both the life and teachings of their master. Or we would say rabbi, right? I mean, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you know, people would ask, who is your rabbi? They could, if they knew your rabbi, they knew what kind of teaching you were following, right? So if they were following Christ, then they knew that this was a, it was a different message that he was getting, right? To be great, you've got to be the least. To be the... Um, We'll come back to that. We're going to get some character qualities of Christ and his teachings. So we would say that a, a doctrine, say that a doctrine that, that Jesus is someone, we would say a disciple, as a disciple, Jesus is someone who has given his self-willed life to follow the, in the footsteps of Jesus. So if we're disciples, that's what we're doing. We're following in Jesus' footsteps. He would be identified as a true believer in Jesus. He would be identified as others as a Christian, right? Christian means Christ-like. So the question is, if I'm a disciple of Christ, am I being Christ-like? So am I wearing just, that's, hey, I like, I like the, the colors of that team, so I'm going to wear their jersey, right? Uh, I've often said um, in, in groups of men, not everyone who wears, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but Tony Romo for the Dallas Cowboys, everyone who wears Tony Romo's jersey isn't Tony Romo, right? They could be a fan of Tony Romo, but only Tony Romo can really wear Tony Romo's jersey, right? And then, but we wear that in in support of the. That's my favorite team. That's my favorite player. Typically, that person would know his stats, know you know his greatest games, those kind of things. There, right? I wouldn't find typically a Dallas Cowboys Tony Romo wearing jersey guy cheering for the Washington Redskins, right? As a Dallas Cowboys fan, we can't stand the Washington Redskins, so it was just it's probably not going to happen, right? That. It's the same thing with us. If we're going to identify ourselves as Christians, we're going to have to follow in the ways of Christ. We're going to become students of, we're going to become 
surrendered, not from, not, we're not going to live our own life, right? We're going to live the life of Christ. So to be a follower of, to be a believer in, right? To do, we're going to do what Jesus did. So he says, if he goes on here, we go on here in the scripture and says, to be a disciple, to make disciples of all nations, all nations being everyone, right? All over the world, but not just other, in other nations and other parts of the world, but in this world right here, right? When this was written here, there wasn't a lot of nations, right? There was, there was just a few and it was, but it was go. When this was written, it wasn't written just for that day. It was written for this day when we have, I think, 238 nations of the world. And many of us won't be able to ever travel out of this country or outside of a vacation destination. But there, this, this nation here, America, is one of those nations. There are people in this nation that need to know the gospel, right? To need to become disciples. So our quest is, back to that picture of my neighbor, my coworker, my friends, and those that I don't know yet. I made a little list here, I believe, of classmates, neighbors, coworkers. So wherever we go, we can be disciple makers, right? Because we're living something different. We're professing something different. People are seeing something different. And why are they seeing something different? Because we're something different, right? There's a hope that's in us in this thing that we have, this relationship we have with Christ, that circumstances aren't driving our lives, right? It's not. It's not because, hey, I hit the lottery so I can be happy, right? We see lots of wealthy people that are miserable. Um, it's because there's this hope that's not dependent upon my circumstances. It's dependent upon this relationship that I have with Christ, that he has seen the day that we're living in, and he's provided for it. So he's our provision. So it's not about what we possess. It's about the one really who possesses us that we've given our lives to. So that, that's what we're after here. This is what, to, for us, to be a disciple of Christ means. It's to have given our lives. I'm, I'm no longer living for self. I'm no longer living for flesh or for pleasure, but I'm living this life for Christ. So it's, it, the word says that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. So that's what, we're, what we're, our aim is here. So from that place there, I can engage my neighbor, my coworker, my brothers and sisters, right? If you've, we, I've got five kids and I come from a family of five. Sometimes just living out Christ was the hardest right there at home with a brother that was dialing the right code to push my buttons. So... Uh, it's it's living that living out this Christ relationship right here in Stillwater, right right there on your street, right there in your house, loving your husband or loving your wife when they're unlovable, right? And those commands, those great commands of husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I I, I love the, the the idea of why is that a command? Because there's about six months of honeymoon in a marriage, and then the command has to kick in because she's not always that lovable, right? No, not too many amens here. Calm down, guys. And how about this one about wives respect your husbands, right? Because there's after that honeymoon stage, there's this place where it's hard to respect this guy that's not very respectable, right? But because of Christ, we're commanded to do so. And so we live from this place, and our friends, our neighbors, those that are in our sphere of influence see this, and they go, wow, you're living your life in a different way, in a world that is... Uh, when it, when the going gets rough, you get out, you're sticking in, and you've got hope and joy and life in it, in that relationship. That's what we're living. That's what's afforded to us with this relationship with Christ. So we're living that. 
right? That's the, um, the all nations gets to experience that. And he says, we go, he goes on to say in, with the, in the Great Commission, baptizing them. You get over here to baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So baptizing, you know, we, we know of baptizing in, in Christian circles, and this is the ceremony of immersion where we acknowledge before friends and family that an old life has been put down and a new life, right? The old life of Johnny has gone away, and the new life of Johnny is, 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 is alive, right? And that new life is really Christ living in me. He's the, at this place, it's an acknowledgement to all society, or all, at least my sphere, that there's a new Lord in my life. I'm no longer lording my own life, right? It's that, that Christ is the Lord of my life. And so anything that's going to ha- come out of me or anything I'm going to do is in obedience to my Lord, right? We don't use the word Lord very often in our, in our vernacular today, but the word Lord has a, a history of if, if, if Cornell's the Lord of the house, everyone else is a servant of the Lord, right? So, we all, we, you know, if we're the servants, we can all have ideas and things we want to do until the Lord speaks, right? And when the Lord speaks, we obey. We don't, hey, I've got a different plan. I heard the Lord speak, but I'm going to go a different direction, right? It's obedience. So we live from this place of God or of Christ being Lord of our life. So he's not a wise, he is a wise counselor. The Holy Spirit's a wise counselor, but he's not just a counsel and I, I consult with Christ and then go, well, I don't really like what Jesus said. I'm going to do something different, right? That's not in a lordship relationship. Um, he's, there's also that he's not just my best friend, right? Jesus is our friend, but he's just not somebody that I go and, again, I listen to him. I, I get his opinion on things, and then I go, you know, I, I go do what I want to do, and I hey, have spent some time with Jesus today. Right? This relationship that we have with him is just one of lordship. So to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a student of, to look at him as, as he is, as the Lord of our lives. And then we do what we see Jesus doing, and we live as we see Jesus, the way that Jesus has lived. Can we agree with that? All right. If you don't want to agree, we can argue. I'm okay with that too. So this process, or this moment in time when we are baptized, we're being baptized out of this old life and into this new life, and we're declaring to our circle of friends who we are now going to be, right? So guys that knew me, uh, I worked for a, a, a valet parking company for about seven years where I met my wife, and for about four years of that, my boss knew an old me. But about four years in, God brought this employee into our life, into my life, that uh, of all the thing of all the people to, to bring into me, this this gentleman, we were valet parking cars over at a hospital, and this guy brought this big. It probably wasn't as big as it seems now, but this big family Bible, and he put it on the valet parking podium. And I was his boss there, and I said, "Listen, buddy, I didn't know his name then. I said, uh, you need to go put that back in your car. I grew up with that." I've seen it. I know the hypocrisy of it. Go put it in your car. If I'm interested, I'll inquire. Otherwise, just shut up and live it. Had little hurt around uh, my, my, a little of my Christian upbringing. So I, I wasn't interested in. But what I experienced was that this guy, Scott, really began to live it. 
right? He did. He, he really lived it. I would put Scott through miserable things. So when we went the day off or the last minute shift off, I'd say, hey, no problem. Scott will work it for you. He's a Christian. <laughs> so, hey, it's pouring down rain, ma'am. You don't have to run out and get that car. Scott will go get it for you, right? Um, I would make Scott work shifts that weren't his. Scott was a, a uh, about 15 years older than me, uh, was married, had a couple of kids. I was single, living single, uh, had no responsibilities, making more money than I ought to have made for a single guy. And I would cut Scott shifts. I would do cruel things to Scott. Just whatever made life convenient for me, Scott was going to pick up the slack. So... Um, Scott and I are actually really, still really good friends now. Um, in this process, Scott did. He began to live this Christian life. He began, or he was already living this Christian life. He really started living it in, me, in front of me. He, if he did blow it, because he would blow a gasket at times, he would come back and he would apologize. He would repent. Hey, I didn't handle that well. I'm a follower of Christ and I didn't represent him well. I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Blew my mind. In this process of getting to know Scott, I really started seeing this authentic Christianity. So much so that when Scott invited me over to his house, and I wasn't just picking on Scott, I saw the impact that what I was doing was having on his wife and his kids. And now as a parent, I can really grasp it, right? Because it's you commit to doing things and going to a family events and doing things that uh, you schedule, right? Because a single, I don't schedule anything. Um, I, even now, I barely schedule things. Uh, but... Then, it was really impacting Scott's life. But in this process, I had this revelation of, oh my goodness, this really is an authentic Christian. This guy really is a disciple of Christ. And this thing began to stir inside of me of, well, that whatever this thing was, because I'd grown up with, quote, Christian, in a Christian environment, and I went to a Christian private school but saw a lot of hypocrisy there, uh, Scott had something different. So in this place that God began to stir in my heart of, Scott, you can call it whatever it is. Whatever it is that you have, that's what I want. So if you call that Christian, that's awesome. If you call it, I mean, if that's a good Assemblies of God, if that's a good non-denominational person or a good Baptist, I'm in. And he, Because he, he was living this. And as I got to know him, I realized what all was, was going on with Scott in his own life and the, how they were struggling themselves to live this life. And um, that, as we all know, as living as, as Christians doesn't make life perfect. It makes, but it, it's got its own challenges. But again, in this place, there's hope, right? So as I gave my life to Christ, I actually had my little brother with me. And I just said, I said those words to him, Scott, whatever it is that you have, I want that. And my little brother says, he's over sitting next to me. He begins just to weep, this, this heaving weeping goes, me too. <laughs> so this night in the, in the living room of Scott, my, my brother and I gave our lives to Christ. But it's because of Scott's discipleship, right? Because he was a disciple. He was living something different. It wasn't a fair-weather gospel that he was living. It wasn't a Sunday Christianity, and now he's at the job site, and he can be whoever he wants to be. And when I push his buttons, he can go south on me and even just come back and say, hey, I'm sorry later, right? I mean, there was this genuine remorse when he would come and he would repent because there's this place, as I know now, that when I'm not walking righteously before God, 
And before my heart can get hard, God says, hey, we've got some things we've got to talk about, right? Because in this living relationship with God, there's this intimacy that's there that I can't live without his presence, not for a moment. So when he says, hey, we're going to have to back up until you go make this right, right? And we know the scripture says, if if you're bringing your gift to the altar and you find that there's aught between you and your brother, leave your gift and go make peace with your brother and then come back and present this, your gift. Right? There's this place that I know and I saw in Scott that, hey, there's this angst inside of me. I've got to have this peace with God. And if I don't have this peace with God, there's nothing else that's really going to satisfy me. Right? I can go get back in busyness and avoidance, but it's in this place, this relationship with God, I've got to have. That's my place of peace. So Scott would come back and he would repent or apologize. Right? And I find myself there now so many times going, okay, God, I can't live without you. As your disciple, I've got to be at peace with you, right? So that I can live the life and have the life that I want, the hope, the joy, the peace that you provide us. So all that through this process of baptizing, right? We're baptized not just because we've said a prayer, but there's this heart, this life that's given. So, you know, often I'll I'll ask the question in one-on-one in counseling is, when you were saved, what were you saved from? Right? Is it something that I bought this fire insurance policy? I didn't buy it. It was given to me. Someone said, hey, hell's a real place. Thank you. Uh, hell's a real place. Come and uh, give your life to... Come and give your life to Christ, which is a, a, a broad stroke brush, right? Uh, so you'll never go to hell because hell's a real place, Right? But that's not, I mean, that's really not what we've signed up for, right? That, that, fire, that fire insurance card, I don't think is all it's supposed to be. What we're invited into is not a life outside of hell, but this life with Christ. This life in relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we're baptized, we're, we've taken an assessment, right, of our lives and said, hey, you know what? I don't want this old life. I want this new life. And I'm dying to this. And this new life is being resurrected in me. Christ is being resurrected in me, and I'm going to live something different. And from that place, right, when people see me sinning or have a question about what I'm doing, they have a right to come ask of me, right? Hey, don't you identify as a Christian? I see this behavior in you. How do these two things work together, right? And we should be doing as the body of Christ. We should be doing this for one another. It's not to one another, but for one another. Because it's our aim to represent Christ well and really to be good disciples. So it says to baptize them. It says to baptize them in the name, right? There's some names that we, we baptize, we get baptized in, in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? The Father, right? We see God as a Father. And we spend so much of our lives trying to heal from the experiences that we had with our earthly fathers who were supposed to represent our heavenly father well. And we, we're trying to heal from those so we can actually see our heavenly father in light of who he really is. So in the attributes and the care, the love, the genuine love that he has for us, the sacrificial love that he has for us, right? Because he loved, right? God loves us for God so loved the world that he sent his son. He gave, right? God gave. That's the, the love that he has for us gives. It doesn't take... He doesn't say, hey... If you love me, you you sacrifice for me, and I and it costs me nothing. He says it costs me everything. It costs me my son. So this gift that we have 
as we're baptizing people, is in the name of the Father. So, and then the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And he says to do that, that trinity that we see in Scripture there, that the, the triune God there, that that's, who we're, that's what we're being baptized in. That's that lordship. That's who we are submitting ourselves to, right? It's creation who's made in the image of their creator submitting back to their creator. And that's what we're invited to. That's really, it's not even an invitation. It's what we're commanded to, right? If we're going to identify as Christians, we're commanded to live this way. There's not five or six different uh, options in Christ, right? It's Christ, and it's Christ crucified and living in us, living through us. So we're called to that. That's what we've committed to. If we were baptized in anything else, right, if you committed to a health and wealth and prosperity uh, gospel, I would offer to you. You've, you've, you've got. You need to. We need to talk because you got a. You got a bad deal. You know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna play out that way. So, what we've been invited into is a living relationship with the living God, and we were baptized into that. And He says to do this, and it says to teach that we're baptized. We're, we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to and. Then we're called to teach them to obey everything, right? As a disciple, I can't teach what I don't know, right? I can't give what I don't have. I could say, see that you need something. I could see that you may need a hundred bucks, but I don't have a hundred dollars. I can't give it to you, right? In the same way, I can't give you a relationship with Jesus that I don't have. I can tell you what Pastor Cornell says or some other teacher, but I can't give you what I myself don't possess. There's something that we, before we can be a discipler, we have to be a disciple, right? So we have to know what we're teaching, right? I can only give you what I possess. So, the word teaching means, or teach means to help someone in learning how to do something or to help them to, to learn to do something. To guide them in the studies of or to give lessons in or, or in its, on a specific topic. So as we are teaching, right, it's, Heather teaches our kids at home. She teaches them what she knows, right? She teaches them what she studies, and then she is given to them, right? So that's what we're doing with this place of Christ. We're teaching, right? What we see is that Jesus didn't lead from behind. He led up front, right? He says, follow, we, he's called, or Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, take up your cross and go that way, right? He tells us, take up your cross and follow me. And what are we called to in that? It's to go to Golgotha, right? Jesus took his cross and he went to Golgotha. So we're called in to take up our cross. There's a Golgotha out there for us. There's a place of the skull that we're to die, right? Whether that's a physical death or if that's a just the death of my flesh daily, right? It's a place where I'm sacrificing. I'm being spent for the gospel, so that's what we're called to do. We're called to teach them from a place of knowing, that place that we have, that we ourselves have engaged with the Lord. It says, teach them to obey. I love this word, obey. I haven't always loved the word obey, but I'll, I'll go ahead and confess to that. Well, let's back up. It says, teach them, right? The them here is the, those that are, that are being made disciples, right? 
It's not the world. If the world has said, I'm not interested in that, we shouldn't expect them to follow the ways of Christ. I've gotten in so much trouble in business because I've expected unrighteous men to do business righteous ways. So it's been a very hard lesson to learn, hasn't it, honey? (laughs) So it's foolish for us to do that, right? The them here are those that have chosen, right, that they have responded to the call of God on their life, and they've said, I want to give my life to Christ. So that, the, the them there are those that have signed up for discipleship. To obey, to, the, the word to, to obey is to hear God's word and act accordingly. So biblical obedience is, to, uh, obedience to God means to hear, to trust, to submit, and surrender to God and his word. Obey. Right? It's what is God's desire, I'm going to do that. Not what do I want to do? What are my ideas of how God and I can work together on this? Right? This hybrid Christianity or this Western Christianity. It's obey. What is it that you have for me to do? And I'm going to do that. He says to obey in everything, in all things. The 100% total of something or everything, right? We, we like, I like the everything. So, all of it, not, not, again, not what I want, not a hybrid, not 51. You know, one of the things the Lord talked to me about was that at times I was treating him like a minority partner in a business, right? I would get his counsel, but go, hey, you know what? You own 49% here. So I've heard you, but we're gonna go this way. You know how many times that worked out? Zero, that's right. So, the reality is, is he can't even be just a, a, a majority owner. He can't be the 5149. It's got to all be him. Right? And this, this, I'm all in in this relationship with him. And then we're, even in that, we're committed to this process called sanctification, where he begins to highlight the things in our lives that we think are surrendered or we're really just blind to. And he begins to highlight those things because someone will poke something. Someone will say something or some experience will happen. We'll go, my flesh pops up and comes out, right? And he goes, hey, that's me. I'm allowing that because I want to work on that area in your life. So it's even in this, but it starts with everything. God, you have my all. Everything. And in that everything, as things get poked on, as we have these experiences, we submit to those things or we wrestle with him, right? Because that really hurts and my flesh comes up. Right, like back to my friend Scott, that flesh would come up and he would, he would wrestle with God and then he would come back and he would apologize. Right, and then as I gave my life to Christ, I came back to Scott and Scott said, Scott, I am so sorry. Right, in my flesh, I was tormenting you. Right, and I repent. I don't want to be that guy anymore. And that's what we do. As these things get poked in us, we bring those up, right? We submit those to the Lord. And we say, yes, Lord, uh, this is hard, but clearly this is something that you're, you're in and you're working on. And not for my purpose, right, just mine, but for others. Because if I'm going to wear the name of Christ, I need to represent him well, right? The aim is not that when people run into Jesus or they run into Christians, they go, wow, if that's a Christian, I'm not interested. Right? The thing is, is if we're going to be Christians, we're going to do it God's way. We're going to do it just like Jesus did. And we're going to, when they run into Jesus, right? There's only two people that ran into Jesus. There was only two responses. 
those that saw Jesus and wondered what exactly what he is that he had, right, uh, are the religious. There were people that walked away because it was too hard, but they didn't. They weren't rejecting of what he was bringing, right? It was like, well, that's going to cost me more. It's more than I want to give. And then you had the religious who just said, hey, that's going to. He's going to turn up over turn over our system of government, right? The way he's going to turn over our economy, right? We won't have the authority. So. What we want is to say, hey, God, my economy's not working. I want your economy. I want to do it your way. I want when others run into me that they run into Jesus and say, hey, whatever it is that you have, that's what I'm interested in. So we go from everything, right, to obeying everything. He says, I, Jesus. Well, he says, I. I have commanded you. And that I is Jesus, right? This is Jesus the rabbi, Jesus the Christ. The one we're supposed to be emulating. We have, there's a number of names that we see for, for, for the I there, that Jesus there. And one of them is Lord, right? Lordship. This relationship being that we have with him is, again, that he is Lord, he is the Lord of my life. He's the master of my life. He's called the rabbi. He's called the teacher. He's called the sacrificial lamb. We know him as our savior. Is that right? Yeah. And he says everything that a command. A command is to a, a command to an authoritative order or directive. Right. So when we command something, it's not a suggestion. It's a directive. It's this is what you're going to do. Right? Steve at his business, he's a, a very, I'm sure, very nice, gentle boss and gives lots of urge or edging suggestions, right? I think that we should do it this way, right? But he could go in and say, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And it's done that way, right? Or there's a consequence. So when Jesus is speaking here, he's given a directive, right? He is not offering a suggestion to the, to the 12. He's, he's given them a directive. This is what we're going to do. So, and he says to teach them, um, scroll back up here. In everything, I have commanded you. So we can see, we can go back through the, the, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see what Jesus, how Jesus commanded, what he's taught them. And he says, and surely, I love this word, surely, to believe with firm confidence. Surely I will be with you. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is very important for us, this, part, this thing, surely. Because it's this place to believe. I can't step out in things if I don't think that Christ is with me. Right? If I... If, if I don't believe that he's with me, I'm not necessarily, I'm not moving, I'm not walking in confidence, right? At best, I'm double-minded, right? And we know what that gets us. That guy should expect nothing. So this place of assurance that we have in this relationship with, God, with Christ is that we are confident that he is with us. And he goes on to say, not just with us, but he says, I am, he says, surely I am with you to the very end. To the very end or the final part of something. Right, so he's not going to get us halfway there, and then abandon us. Right, we we see this uh, 
the disciples kind of felt that way, right? When Jesus is on the cross and their, their, their savior, right? This, this king of kings that's supposed to come and make everything different is on the cross and he's dead, right? They go back to fishing, right? There's this place of despair that they found themselves in. But he said, don't worry about it. Death can't hold me. And in three days, he comes out of the grave, right? So there's this place for us that to the very end, it's not to the death of Christ, it's to, to, because of the resurrection of Christ, it's to the end of us, right? He's not going to start us and then abandon us. And he says, of the age. So it's not just their age, it's or the end of time. It is to the end of time, but it's also to the end of our time, right? N- not all of us are going to get out of here alive, right? We're... we're and, uh, death gets us all until there, until there's a, a, a rapture or the second coming of Christ, right? Some of us are going to meet him in the air. But until that happens, we have this anticipation that we're going to age out of the system, right? <laughs> I know there's a, a day coming for me. Um, so, and we can have confidence in this, that he's going to be there for us. That he is there with us to the end of the age, to the end of time, to the end of our time. So we can go as the, those that have gone before us have. They've, they've left this earth in belief, right? They've left this earth in relationship with Christ. So what we're called to here as we, as we read, as we've read the, the Lord's Prayer, is we can't be a discipler until we are disciples, right? So the question that we have this morning is, are we good disciples? Are we being discipled? So we have to, I would just ask that everyone just kind of search your own heart. Is this something that we've signed up for? Are we committed to that? Because we live in a world where there's lots of things drawing us into other directions. Right? But if we're going to, we're going to call him Lord, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we're going to have to do it the way that Jesus did. Right? We're going to have to love what he loved. We're going to have to die like he died. We're going to sacrifice like he sacrificed. His values are going to become our values. Right? What he loves, we love. What he hates, we hate. Is that right? Yeah. So the invitation is first to just be able to search inside and look inside and reflectively look and say, God, actually, it's not even for us to look. It's ask the Holy Spirit to, you show me, am I walking this discipleship life? Are there things that need to change? Are there some priorities that I have that I've, I've moved above you? Are there some desires that I have that are not of you or they're out of order? Are there some things in this world that I care about more than you? My fear of man, my wallet, my quality of life, my education. Uh, Am I looking to you for these things? Am I looking to you for my identity? Or is there an identity I'm trying to create for myself? So, would you like, first of all, for us to just take some time and really have that conversation with the Lord, each of us individually. And then after that conversation, what I'd like us to do is really reflect on, do I have the heart of a discipler? Because what we're all called to beyond this walk, intimate walk with the Lord ourselves, is to be a discipler. 
right? To, to love my neighbor, to sacrifice for those that Jesus loves, right? I, I, when I run into unbelievers, I just often think to myself, oh, they just don't know their father yet, right? Because there's still breath in our lungs. There was a day that I didn't know the Lord, right? But there was this guy, Scott, who came in, sorry, and he lived something different, right? I, don't, I can't imagine where my life would be today if there wasn't a Scott. And it's one of my quests, and I, would, I hope it's, as you search your heart, that it's your quest, that there's a Scott in you, right? Really, that there's a Jesus in you. Because what Scott was living was Jesus. What my aim is to do is to live Jesus. So that my neighbors, my coworkers, my kids, my community, that they run into Jesus. And given the opportunity, and Dell and I are going to get this opportunity, we get to go to Kenya, we get to go to other nations and live something different, to preach something different. Right? And we have a great opportunity right here because we've got a college campus that brings people from all over the world right here. Right? It's great that we can go to the nations, but the nations are literally coming to us and get to live something different. Right? Thank you, Brian, for what you do. So he's aspiring to this, him and his wife. They're, they're, they're reaching out to a Muslim community, a Muslim nations to live Christ. So that's our quest. That's our call. So I'm going to ask that we just take just a few minutes. Steve, you want a keyboard? Not really. Sure. What's that? All right. And I'm just going to ask that we just do that, just some reflective time with the Lord and just say, Lord, what's in my heart? Come and just visit with the Lord and just say, search me, O God. Look inside of me. What needs to be set right? And then repent where we need to repent and recommit where we need to re- recommit. Because we're really, we're, we've got one purpose in this world, right? It's not to live a great retirement for our kids. <laughs> it's not to, to, to all these tomorrows. It's to know Christ and make him known. And if we're doing that, we're succeeding. And if we're doing that, we're setting up not just treasure here on earth, but we're also setting up treasure in heaven. So, Lord, I ask that you would just, uh, by your spirit, Father, you would come and you would minister to our hearts, Father. That you would, uh, Father, you just bring conviction where we need conviction. Father, that you would uh, kindly tell us where we're doing great. And the Father, that you would give us direction on recalibrating our, our, our life course so that it is um, best represents uh, being sons and daughters. That, uh, that when people see us, they can say that we are Christians. It's not because we self-identify, but others will be able to look at us and go, you're Christ-like, you must be a Christian.
that Father, that hope, peace, and joy would be the testimony of our lives. So Lord, we thank you for doing that. Father, we ask that you would just come even now. And I would just offer if uh, you're welcome to come up. Uh, we've got a prayer team. We've got uh, we've got uh, people here that will happily pray with you. Uh, the Bible says that uh, when we confess our sins one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive us. It doesn't mean you have to come down here to confess. But there is a place that confess that we have to say to someone other than ourselves. Hey. I've struggled here. I've not been doing it right here. I think there's a place of us owning that with someone else because in that place we have accountability. So you're welcome to come and have that conversation. Lord, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for your loving uh, loving hands. and uh, Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, I ask that even as we drive home, as we go throughout this week, Father, that we reflect on uh, these few verses here. Father, that we would allow them just to continue to to change us. Father, that they would continue to challenge us. Father, that they would be the filter that we run uh, our decisions through. Father, that we would serve you well, that we would represent you well, Father, that we would see you in the truth of who you really are. And that, Father, that we would be all in afresh in this commitment to you, to represent you well, to walk in relationship with you. A lordship relationship, Father, not a, not a wise counselor, <laughs> or our minority business partner, but all in with you, Father. Lord, we love you. We ask you to just go with us as we go out throughout this day, as we go out throughout this week. We look forward to just the adventures that you have for us each and every day. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen.